Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. Luke Powell. Dr. Powell is a native of Huntsville, Alabama, where he now runs Hazel Green Dental. He's a graduate of Auburn University, War Eagle and the UAB School of Dentistry in Birmingham and says that excellent dental care is one of the overall keys to health. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be on. Great. So let's get started by asking this question. When did you know that you wanted to become a dentist and what appealed to you about this profession? Well, my dad is a dentist, so I'm uh, like a lot of dentists I know anyway, kind of runs in the family. I'm the third born son. I've got uh, two older brothers and a younger sister. And uh, my older brothers were not sort of trending that way. And so I think, I don't know, middle school, as I got into high school, I looked at, you know, the way my dad sort of organized his life and his career and what dentistry was. And I think I just kind of thought, this is great. You know, why not do this? And I mean, there's probably a certain amount of, yeah, you know, my older brothers aren't doing it. Like somebody needs to pick up the family profession and take up the mantle. So it was one of those where, yeah, I think it's almost natural was going to think about doing it. And I just did it. Well, that, that's great. So you, your father didn't threaten to cut you out of the will if you didn't uh, become a dentist or anything like that? No, yeah, no pressure from him at all. Uh, he didn't. Yeah. I mean, he never talked bad about being a dentist. He always, it was always clear he loved it. Uh, but on the other hand, he didn't ever tell us like, hey, you got to do this. Uh, it was just more of a natural thing. I think that it just worked out that way. That's neat. So you spent some time as dental director of a nonprofit clinic for the poor in Alabama before opening your own practice. Talk a little bit about your work there and why it was important to you. So that was a really neat opportunity. We There was a clinic in Birmingham established really just a couple of years before I graduated from dental school, and it was called Christ Health Center. And it was established by the Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, a really awesome medical doctor. Dr. Record set it up and uh, he set it up as a medical clinic. But while he was getting it set up, I think, I don't know if it was his idea or, or somebody had the broad idea, hey, let's let's do dentistry too. And so as they got that going, they brought a dentist and she was actually young and, and fresh out of school, just a little bit ahead of me. And what was really cool was kind of as soon as they established that clinic, they started having the dental students from UAB rotate over there. And so I was exposed to the clinic as a third and fourth year dental student and just loved it. Uh, Basically serving people that either had Medicaid insurance or no insurance at all. In Alabama, uh, Medicaid covers children, but it does not do anything for adults. So once you hit 19 as an adult in Alabama, you know, you're pretty much in rough shape as far as public assistance. There's none of that available. So Christ Health Center stepped in and really uh, helped fulfill that need with we didn't do free, which was important. We did sliding scale type dentistry, so reduced cost. And when I graduated from dental school, the dentist who was ahead of me, uh, Dr. Russell, she was moving on and she put in the good word for me. And what was, I mean, it's really neat. I graduated, I think maybe June 10th or 11th and 
by June 16th, I was the director of that clinic. So just started, you know, just jumped right in. And then by July, a month after I got there, uh, students were coming to rotate with me. So I was like, you know, I was an adjunct professor for UAV within a month of graduating, uh, which was intimidating to say the least, but it was, it was awesome. We had so much fun. So you went from mentee to mentor in about a week. Yeah, it it really was. And so the seniors that came to the clinic were, you know, one year behind me and I had known them, of course, as students. And so, yeah, it really was odd when they would ask me, Hey, what should we do here? And I'm, I'm basically like, I have no idea. Let's talk about it. You know, let's, let's figure this out together. So it was, it was a lot of fun to do that. And it really was, it was good for my, obviously good for my skill set. jumped in, uh, you know, dove into the deep end and really just went to work. And it was really good also just for my relationships with meeting that type of patient, um, getting, just getting exposed to that uh, population, that community that just needs help. And also uh, relationships with the classes behind me, because as they came to the clinic, as we all know, in dental school, you, you get to know your own class really well, but it's, it's actually kind of hard to get to know the other classes outside of yours. And I feel like I was able to really establish some pretty good relationships with the guys that were a little bit younger than I was. I think it's really good to expose yourself to the less fortunate, expose yourself to need. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy in uh, culture today to create our own bubble of people who are similar to us in economic situations. And so it's something I try and do. And I know something you try and do is, um, to expose your family to the less fortunate. So that was obviously sounds like a great experience from that perspective. I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was a good time. And it was I was on salary. So financially, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried about, quote unquote, killing it. And it was it was just it was a great way to start my career. I thought it was uh, very helpful for me. I was there two years and it was a great two years. Well, that's great. Uh, so your bio says that starting your own practice was a dream that you fulfilled. But I know from our previous conversations, starting your own practice, specifically where you started it, was um, very strategic and due to some kind of some advice from someone kind of in the dental world, but not a dentist. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So we moved from Birmingham back up to Huntsville, which is my hometown uh, in 2013. That was two years after I finished school and I'd been at Christ Health Center. And I began working a little bit for my dad. He has a, a great office, but it's a it's a single doc office. So it wasn't like there was room for me to just come in and be full time. Um, so I worked with him some And I basically worked in four or five different offices as an associate, just sort of one day a week, two days a week here and there. I was was sort of a freelancer for a little while while I was figuring out my next move. And yeah, actually a salesman that I had been, you know, had a relationship with uh, from Atlanta Dental had, he kind of approached me at, at one point and said, look, you need to look into Hazel Green, which is a little town just north of Huntsville. And I had, of course, heard of Hazel Green. I grew up in Huntsville, so I knew where it was and knew basically what I thought was, was it was just, you know, cornfields and cotton fields out there. I didn't, I really didn't think anything of it. And he showed me some data, showed me some traffic data, showed me some housing data, showed me uh, the, the high school up there turned out to be a 7A high school, which is, you know, the largest classification in our state. And it turns out there, you know, there was one dentist up there. Uh, and he's uh, already been there about 15, 20 years, established practice, and and that was it. And so as, as I began to think about opening my own practice and looked around the area, Huntsville itself, there's a dentist on every corner. And it just, you know, it seemed evident, hey, we got to go somewhere where there's a need. 
And uh, Hazel Green turned out to be just the perfect spot. Because you and I have talked about friends of yours in Huntsville who are good dentists, but there's so much competition in dentistry in a in the Huntsville market that it's affecting their practice and they haven't had near the success you've had. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. I have nothing special to offer as far as a dentist, you know, as far as my hands go. I'm a general guy who just gets, you know, likes to get work done. And I think that I've been very fortunate to establish in an area where I mean, we've done a little bit of marketing, but it was almost it was almost unnecessary. We we put the building up. We put a pretty nice sign on the highway. I'm on the highway with uh, with pretty large traffic counts, and the patients just show up, and we're nice to them, and then they send us more patients. And it it has been, you know, obviously I don't know all the ins and outs of my buddies, their finances and everything, but I I think that it's just been a little bit easier for me to get busy and get rolling than than some other people who are just in the center of the city where, you know, you're just one, you know, one of a dozen who might be within, you know, within a pitching wedge of your office. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting how that's worked out. So talk a little bit about being the freelancer, working for your dad, working for a few other dentists, and then trans- so transitioning from employee to employer. It's a very big change. So talk about how that, what that was like for you. Yeah, you know, extremely intimidating. At one point, I remember driving down, I think we were going to Birmingham for some reason, and I was in the middle of sort of planning. The building was being built in Hazel Green. I was trying to make some hires for, you know, staff to come in. And I think that was the only time I've really gotten just like a straight up stomach ulcer from stress. (laughs) And so I remember just being like, man, this is, this is tough. It is, it's a whole new ball game. I feel very fortunate. I think the Lord blessed me as far as just bringing in staff, did a little bit of you know, just online sort of searching for, for a front desk lady to come work with me and then a hygienist. And I took my dad's, he had hired an assistant that I was working with some at my dad's office. So she actually just came with me to the new office. But uh, as far as how to do that, it, it's kind of funny. It's been seven years since I did that. And if you asked me sort of the specifics, it's tough to even remember exactly all the pieces that went into play. It was a stressful time and it was it was kind of like every day just trying to figure it out. But I knew that it would, I, I didn't know, but I was pretty sure it was going to work because of all the dentists that I've ever known and seen. And, you know, my dad and others that it just seems like offices, you know, dental offices, it, you're doing what you're supposed to do and doing your best, they generally work out. And that was my philosophy was, hey, let me go for this. And I think it's going to work. Now you've grown so much you, in seven years that you have an associate. At what point did you need to hire an associate? So it didn't take long to be in that in sort of mindset. Uh, within two years, I was starting to get, you know, a little bit stressed out as far as, again, it was good stress at that point, because now you're you're getting so busy that each day is just filled with just filled with patients and hygiene checks. And I think it was when I added uh, about two years in, we added a third column of hygiene. And so when I went from two hygienists to three hygienists, that was when I thought, oh man, you know, this day, that's a busy day. A, a general dentist with, you know, a couple of rooms of his own treatment and then three hygiene checks every hour turns out to be, in, at least for me, a little bit too much. And so I began thinking about bringing an associate in and uh, we found an associate uh, not too long after that. She, again, just sort of a blessing. She showed up at my door. She was in school uh, she wanted to just come talk and she's from the area and we met and talked and talked some more. And as she graduated, 
just made her a job offer and she came and started working and she's been with us three and a half years now. So it's, it's just been awesome. That's great. So being a part of a practice involves a lot, as you just described, I mean, you're treating patients, dealing with staff, got to deal with the insurance. You have a big family. You have four kids with a fifth on the way. Mm-hmm. And so you like to spend time at the lake. You like to spend time at the beach. Talk about the challenges of finding a healthy balance to spend time with your family, but run a growing practice. I think I've been blessed in that area. I don't have a real hard time leaving work when I leave it. Part of that might be the the proximity. I'm about 25 minutes away, which I guess for many of the listeners may not be much of a commute at all. In Huntsville, that's like a lifetime away. We're used to five minute commutes. So there's a sense in which when I leave the office, you know, I think mentally I'm able to kind of leave it behind and get back to my family. Um, It definitely is a challenge not to overdo it. I guess I would just say that for me, it's been all about working super hard when I'm there. I think we really go at it hard when we're at the office and, and we're open. And so we produce a pretty high amount of dentistry while we're there and it's that production and that income coming in, keeping the, the finances of the office healthy that in my mind allows me when I'm, when I'm not there, when I'm at, you know, on vacation at the beach or I'm at the lake or what, whatever we're doing, it's, I think, giving me a little bit more peace of mind to just, you know, it's going to be okay. We're doing fine. And if we, if there's something that, you know, is demanding your attention and you're not there, you know, it's going to be okay. I'm going to let it go. And I think I've learned how to do that over the years. It's not super easy for me, but at the same time, I guess I'm not doing a real good job answering your question, but I guess I'm just saying that I think the more successful the office is and the harder we work when we're there, the easier it is for me to step back and and be with my family. Makes sense. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention 2020, and the challenges that that brought with the coronavirus and COVID-19. What was that like for you in your practice, managing that, uh, the shutdown of uh, however long it was for you guys, and then coming back? I know for you, the last half of the year was so busy playing catch up that I think you told me earlier that you made up for lost time. But talk about the 2020, what that was like, and what you see in 2021 as some of the challenges coming. Well, I am, you know, kind of at heart, I'm a little bit of a libertarian. And so it was very frustrating to me to, I mean, of course, everyone was frustrated that the virus was was making its way across the country. And I was one of those who just couldn't believe that we would actually shut the country down. It just, it really kind of was mentally hard for me to, to process that. The state did, the state dental board uh, mandated that we go to emergency care only I believe that was about March 25th or so of last year that they kind of made the official pronouncement. You know, again, kind of going back to my roots as as a little bit more of a of a libertarian, we took that emergency care a little bit liberally. We we did shut down hygiene, but we still went to work and we saw extraction patients, we saw root canal patients, we saw patients in pain. Uh, which in Hazel Green is not hard to come by. Hazel Green is, it's a community with lower income folks that don't really oftentimes don't go to the dentist on a regular basis. And so my practice in some ways is built on emergency care anyway, because we just, we do a lot of that all the time. So for that six weeks, we were very much limited in our capacity of, you know, what we could do, but we still went to work and did what we could. And then when the six-ish weeks was over in May, Dentistry came back for us just 
absolutely gangbusters. We've been going really kind of bananas since we got back. So the May, June, I think June itself was probably our biggest month ever. And then since then, it's just kind of continued on through to this year. My challenge is now it's a little bit reminding me of when I was sort of thinking about getting an associate, how we were getting busy and I was almost too busy. We're kind of back to that point. So even though Dr. Wells and I are working together, we are almost overwhelmed. There's so much to do. And I, you know, it's a good problem to have, but that's where we are. Yeah, that is, that is a good problem to have. And that kind of leads me to my next question. You know, dental practice is a business and sometimes people forget that. And so like any business, you have financial challenges. Can you talk about why it's important for you to have a strong relationship with your professional advisors to guide you in the long term? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hugely important. It's, it's been over the last few years for me, important working with people who think about this stuff all the time. I think a couple of reasons for me. Uh, number one, I am a very typical retail investor guy who has successfully lost money in the stock market because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so that's, you know, I've done that my whole life, basically, since I started making money at age, you know, 16, 17, I was smart enough to be thinking in terms of money. Uh, so, you know, established my Ameritrade account, you know, way back when, and then was also dumb enough to do a penny stock or do something stupid and lose money. So it's it's been evident to me for a while now that I'm not really equipped in every area of my life. Like you, you'd like to think, well, I'm good at dentistry. I'm probably going to be good at everything. It turns out, you know, that's probably not the case. And so, yeah, I think a strong advisory team and trying to handle things such as investments and then, you know, taxes. I've learned about that over the last five years, just a ton of how do we mitigate our tax burden as, as my income goes up. I'm just overwhelmed sometimes by how much Uncle Sam wants. And so uh, I think that's a huge piece of it. And yeah, I guess to kind of go back for just a second, yeah, as income goes up, you know, I, my expenses are now X and my income is Y. And so there's, there's a pretty large, there's this big pool of money that left up to my own devices, I'd probably do something really dumb with. And it's a great idea, I think, to, we got to figure this out in a strategic way. Yeah, it's critical, as you know, and we've had in conversations about uh, having a structure to make sure cash flow doesn't get eaten up because expenses mm -hmm. rise to be income, putting those monies in places that make sense. And then, like you said, taxes, obviously we want to follow the tax law, but you know, we want to pay as little as possible within the law. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, you've heard me say many times, the highest rate of return is a dollar taken back from the IRS. And so if you can be strategic about that, as you've been, uh, that's critical. And that helps you achieve your goals, whatever they may be. Now, let's talk a little bit about in the business. You know, you're in a world where uh, equipment is is not inexpensive and it's necessary. And like any piece of machinery, it wears out after time. So how do you balance making investments in the practice, but also still having kind of a cushion in the business account to make sure things are okay? And like if you were to have a shutdown like you did last year. Yeah, I'm pretty generous with the cushion I give myself. So I'm going to leave a pretty healthy sum in the business account at all times uh, just to make sure we are, you know, covering ourselves just in case things go south. Um, I think any business owner that I've talked to, uh, myself included, you know, tends to think, well, you know, this month was great, but who knows about next month? And so I think there's there's a little bit of that defensive mindset that is probably within most all of us and is, is probably a good thing to have a little bit of that. 
You know, my principles on equipment are first of all, always pay cash. Um, I don't, I don't finance any of my fund purchases or equipment purchases for sure. And then I look pretty carefully to make sure that I'm going to actually make money or do better dentistry for sure with what I'm buying. So uh, less bigger purchases for me have been uh, my cone beam uh, CT. I bought uh, about four years ago now, and it was, I didn't buy the most expensive one, first of all, but also it has been, I paid cash for it and it's been awesome for my diagnosis and implant treatment planning and endo treatment planning. And it's really made me a better dentist. And so I don't regret it one bit. Another big equipment purchase was the intraoral scanner. Uh, I bought the scanner, I got the Plan Mecca scanner. And again, it was expensive, but what I didn't do was go out and pay full price for the milling machine. I actually got my milling machine off eBay. And so instead of paying a hundred thousand for the milling machine and all that equipment, I got a used older unit off eBay for about five grand. Oh wow. And it works. Uh, it's been working for three years for me. So I'm pretty savvy on that stuff as far as uh, I'm going to try to save money if I can, but if I need to spend it, I will, but it's definitely got to be, it's got to make sense. I got to look at it. I think dentists are suckers. There's no question. We got to be careful out there. And especially with the the sales reps, reps come by the new toys and they, they do all look great, but we, we got to be careful. That's a good perspective. So let's talk also about investing in your business. You mentioned previously a little bit about marketing. How much do you do you spend a lot on marketing? I know a lot of uh, dentists do. It sounds like you might not have to. Talk a little bit about your marketing philosophy and, and what that's like. Yeah, well, huge advantage. My wife is a, a graphic design major out of Auburn. And so she has done all of my logo work and you know brochures, website, a lot of social media stuff. So I've got a, I've got a huge advantage. You know, that's the, the value there is many thousands of dollars. Um, so I'm not, I'm not naive to that. We do not spend too much. We, we basically want to keep a presence out there. We want people to know that we're still kicking. We do a little bit of Google AdWords and we do some mail outs, you know, about once a quarter, we try to do a mail out. We do some Facebook giveaways, you know, we'll give away some whitening like a lot of people do. Uh, my biggest hit, actually controversial probably these days, but about five years ago, we gave away a shotgun, which was just awesome. The Hazel Green community went bananas for that one. But you should have seen the post engagement on that giveaway. Uh, there's well, like 30,000 entries to our tour. Well, that, that's not going to be polarizing in Alabama. No, 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 yeah, that's uh, not controversial. It might be, it might no, be polarizing no. in like a major metro area and you should probably do it again. Yeah, uh, be awesome. But be, uh, be all things to all people right there. So absolutely. Yeah. I think I would say we're pretty moderate on marketing. I, we don't have to do a lot because our patients refer other patients. And like I said, we were a little bit swamped as it is. So it's not like I'm out there desperate for new patients. Um, we've done some and we're trying to do more of strategic marketing, like for implant cases, for example. Like I love doing implants. And so you know, it's great when you get a new patient in that says, hey, you know, I've got a missing tooth and I want it replaced with an implant. That's, you know, that's the dream patient as opposed to, you know, I have a terrible mouth, but I don't have two nickels rubbed together. And, you know, what can you do? We want to help those patients, but I need some of the other type as well. Right. So how would you say you've been in practice on your own seven or eight years now? How would you say your priorities have changed in terms of your office and in terms of your life outside of the office? I would say, you know, in the office, we've I think it's changed in terms of I am much more focused now on helping my team succeed and helping them 
really take the reins as far as running the office and, you know, everybody working together to do the best they can. I think as you're starting your office brand new, and I think it's, it's only natural, like I was doing everything and I was responsible for everything. I looked at every insurance claim. I looked at the bank account, you know, I still have the bank account, but I, you know, I was, I was just so much more hands in everything. And now as our practice matures and I have an associate who I can completely rely on, and I've, I've just got some pretty good people in place. The goal now for me is to go do dentistry and have fun doing it and hopefully get out of there and not think about it as much. Um, kind of like we, what we talked about earlier. So that's, and that's slow. That's not a fast process, especially for me. And I think a lot of us as dentists are a little bit control freaks. It's hard to pull back, but I'm really trying to do that and let my staff do their job so that basically I can do dentistry and get out of there at the house. And, you know, with my family, we're focused on raising our kids and we've got four and one on the way. And we're kind of in the middle of, I don't know if you want to call it crunch time or whatever, but we're shaping and molding these kids and, and trying to teach them how to be good people and love God. And, and that's, it's taken our energy. And so we're focused on that uh, pretty much all the time. Yeah. You're in the phase of life where you're, you're a glorified unpaid Uber driver. A lot of shuttling. Yep. A lot of back and forth. We've got the big van. I know we've talked about the Ford Transit. Love the transit. So yeah, yeah, you could definitely be a spokesperson for that. And then obviously in the office, the delegation is key. So that's that's important skill. What does the phrase financial health mean to you? To me, it means consistent income higher than my expenses. To me, that's what health means. It means that every month and I've thought about this and talked with my friends about this even recently. If everything was wiped out hopefully not my business, but if my savings were wiped out tomorrow, I would be bummed for sure. However, I know that next month I have an excellent chance of making much more than I need to live. And I think I'd be fine. So to me, health is saving money and not getting ahead of myself with expenses. So cash flow, uh, managing your cash flow, that, that's critical. Absolutely. So what would you say the future holds for you and Hazel Green Dental? Sounds like maybe another associate. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. It's it, The building was built pretty much for one dentist. I just didn't really have the vision of like making an empire when we built the building. So we've crammed two of us into it. Uh, I turned my office into another operatory. So we're up to seven operatories and we're splitting our hours to, you know, to try to accommodate as much as we can, both of us. I think the future, I would love to consider even stepping back some and doing and letting another associate come in and me potentially working less hours out there. Uh, my father's in town in Huntsville. And as he slows down, I think it could be that I work, you know, maybe work a couple days in Huntsville as maybe take over his practice, maybe buy his practice from him. These are questions that are, they're hard because things are, it's, it's one of those where, you know, day to day, our office is producing so much dentistry and doing so well, you almost there's a sense in which, man, don't, don't screw it up. We're, it's doing great. On the other hand, hey, let's think about the future and what, what could be. So yeah, those are, you're asking me things that I've thought about, but I haven't been able to really nail down the, the next step yet. A lot of exciting opportunities for you, it sounds like. So let's yeah. finish up with two questions we'd like to ask everyone. Uh, who have been some early mentors for you? For sure. You know, I keep mentioning my dad, but for sure, dad, just in his presence, really. He's not that he, like I say, didn't come at me and say, look, this is how you do things. And this is what dentistry is like. And there really wasn't a whole lot of that. It was a whole lot more modeling. 
So I've just learned so much from him from a modeling standpoint, from more hands-on, I would say, I guess instead of mentorship, it's been a little bit more just collaboration. My classmates and I, we text all the time. We're always, you know, just sort of talking to each other. How are we doing? What can we do next? I've got five or six guys that I can count on at any given time to give me an answer to questions. And my best friend is a dentist in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we talk, I mean, we talk three or four times a week. And inevitably, of course, we talk about family and all kinds of fun things, but inevitably we talk about business as well. So I think a lot of collaboration. I've got kind of a remote mentor. Uh, Corey Glenn is a guy who does a ton of digital dentistry. And I don't know Corey very well. I've met him a couple of times. He's not a friend of mine, but I watch all of his videos and I've learned so much about implant dentistry from Corey. So I guess I guess that counts <laughs> as a mentor, even though we're not we're not best buds. And what books are you reading or what good books have you read recently? I read mostly religious books. I'm a Christian and I read most of what I read is is related to my faith. Um, I'm reading Mere Christianity right now for the third time with C.S. Lewis. And I'm in a I'm in a book club with some guys and we read Tozer. We've read remember Wild at Heart. That was a popular book like 20 years ago. We just did that one. I have read some of the financial stuff and some of the business books, but I can't, honestly, I, I guess I, I haven't really gotten a whole lot out of all that stuff as far as just groundbreaking advice. I think, you know, not to toot your horn too much, but guys like you, the financial guys I've talked to and worked with have been instrumental as far as helping me out, understanding some of the business side and some of the financial stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I hate to kind of be not well, getting a good answer on that, but that's where C.S. Lewis is a pretty yeah. good recommendation. So. <laughs> I can't recommend him enough. Uh, <laughs> I focus really heavily on my, my faith and my personal development. And I find that when I'm an honest guy and a hardworking guy and a nice guy and a compassionate guy at the office, uh, things tend to go well and things tend to really work out. So that's, that's kind of where I've been. Well, that's awesome. So, well, I appreciate your time today. It's been really interesting speaking with you, and I want to thank you for being here today. And Thanks for I, having me on. Yeah, I trust everyone will enjoy this. And so you've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 161390032. 2021-1195-35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535, expiration April 2023.
This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor at Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida 32311-850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License number 1613932, California Insurance License number 0L10073, 2021-122420. Expiration June 2023. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.